Girlfriends, episode number 261, Holiness is for Everyone with Claire Dwyer. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I'm talking with author Claire Dwyer about her new book, This Present Paradise. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to the newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. So glad you are joining me as always. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. So glad you're joining us. If you're sometimes a long-time listener, so glad you are here. I'm so grateful for your presence here. So this week, I'm talking with Claire Dwyer about her new book. But first, I wanted to check in with you about what you might be reading. So I'm thinking about books because um, the day I'm recording this is the day before the one-year anniversary of the release of my book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go. I was just reflecting on, you know, when that book came out, it was like right at the start of the pandemic. (laughs) So it was ill-timing for a book release. And yet I did an online book club for Giving Thanks and Letting Go, which is a book that I recently published with Ave Maria Press. If you're interested in checking that out, um, there's an episode where I read the first chapter. I'm going to link to that in the show notes so that you can check it out if you haven't already checked out that book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go. Um, and also, you can read the first chapter online at Ave Maria Press. I will put a link in the show notes to that as well if you would like to check it out. That's a nice way to get a sample of the content. So the book's called Giving Thanks and Letting Go, Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood. And it's a book in which I really just share from my heart about the very real changes, the challenges, the joys of being a mom of older kids, growing up kids inside of a home with an emptying nest. And so when I wrote the book, I was very much wanting to talk about, you know, some of these, it's very personal sharing. It's really probably the most personal book that I have written. Um, But I wanted to share inside of the book about some of these real changes inside of our family life, inside of my motherhood and how I was thinking and feeling about them. And I was thinking that the book would mostly resonate with moms who are in this same stage of life where I am now with older kids, with kids going to college, with kids getting married, with kids moving out and all that that brings. But I've been really gratified to hear from moms of little kids who love the book for the reason that it encourages them where they are right now. It helps them to be forward thinking and kind of putting it all in perspective, even inside of the very real challenges that they're facing right now inside of young family life. So whatever age or stage of motherhood you might be in, I hope that this book is something that you will enjoy. I believe the coupon code BEAN20 can still get you 20% off your order at Ave Maria Press. So you can check it out. I will have the link in the show notes again. So where you can listen to the first chapter of the episode of Girlfriends, where I share that, or where you can read it online. And I'll, of course, have the link to the book so you can check it out for yourself. But I want to ask you what you're reading these days. I have always a stack of books because ever since I've been involved in publishing in any way, shape, or form for years. I was um, with Faith and Family Magazine and then Catholic Digest. And book reviewing has always been a part of a, a part of at least what I'm assigning or what I'm doing. And now at Catholic Mom, for sure. So I'm on all the publishers list. And I often, I'm, you know, I'm blessed to receive a number of books for review. And so I always have a stack 
of books that I'm interested in reading, um, that I'm hoping to read and that kind of thing for work. But also I'm interested in knowing, like, what are you doing for like pleasure reading? What kinds of fiction are you enjoying these days? I shared with you recently that my husband and I have been listening to audiobooks, um, especially we've been listening to Ernest Hemingway, which is uh, one of his favorite authors and enjoying that. I've also been listening to A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith, which is a book I have never read before. I've heard it recommended so many times. Have you read that one? It's um it's an old book. I think it's up to its 75th anniversary. It's semi-autobiographical from what I can I can understand when I research it a little bit by Betty Smith. And uh, that's a really beautiful book and um I'm not quite done with that one yet, but I'm listening to that one as well. And I've recently introduced my father-in-law to Audible because he has trouble with his eyes for reading at any great length of time. And he really loves to read, especially loves to read about early American history, especially here inside of New England. And um, it's been fun kind of finding books that he might enjoy that way. So I've been trying to preview books for him and find ones that he will enjoy. Um, but it's hard to know. It, you know, this is the same sort of problem I felt when I was like looking for books with for my my teenagers. They were, you know, reading more and more and interested in reading more and more. And I just couldn't keep up with like previewing them, making sure they were good and making sure they were appropriate. I'm not so much worried about appropriateness for my father-in-law, but before we invest and buy the audiobook, want to be sure it's going to be worth our while. So I'm more interested than ever in reviews. So if you are enjoying anything that you're reading right now, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media. I am Danielle Bean on Instagram. Would love to connect with you there. Also, Danielle Bean on Facebook and Twitter. Would love to connect with you in those places as well. Let me know what's in your stack of books or what book are you particularly enjoying reading or listening to these days. All right, I'm going to share with you now my recent conversation with Claire Dwyer. You know, funny thing, when I first got her book for review, she asked me to endorse it before it was published. I got it in my inbox on one morning when I had gotten up at five o'clock in the morning to work. And I saw that when I first sat down to work and that and something just told me, take the time and do this right now. So I did. And I read her book like immediately and it was really engaging and I was really inspired by it. I loved getting introduced to this new saint. So it was wonderful to have that opportunity to do that. And Claire is really a gifted writer. So she really does a great job in bringing out the story and sharing her own personal connections with the great saint, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, who was a new saint to me. So um, I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Claire Dwyer. So let's not hesitate any further. Here we go. Take a listen. Hey, everybody. I am super excited to be welcoming a special guest here on Girlfriends today. Claire Dwyer is here with us. Claire Dwyer works for the Avila Foundation as editor and contributor at their website, spiritualdirection.com. Her work is also featured on various Catholic sites, including catholicmom.com, close to my heart, endowgroups.org and the National Catholic Register, and on her own blog, eventhesparrow.com. She speaks frequently on topics of the saints, spirituality, respect for life, and the mission and vocation of women in the church today. Her new book that she's here to share about today is This Present Paradise, A Spiritual Journey with St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. Welcome to Girlfriends, Claire. I'm so glad you're here. 
Hey, Danielle. I'm glad I'm here too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I had the opportunity to get a preview of this book. You sent me a review copy for um, my review and endorsement. I was honored to be able to do that. But this was the first time I ever even heard of this Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. So let's start there. When and how and why did you decide to write a book about Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity? I know. Well, she's, you know, first of all, there's like two camps of people. There's people like you who have not heard of her. And there's a lot of them because she was just canonized in 2016. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of new to our canon of saints. Um, And then there's people that are coming out of the woodwork who are like, oh yeah, I've loved her for a long time. And I'm like, well, how (laughs) did you know about her? Because I am not some longtime friend of Elizabeth either. I first encountered her and her writing through a class I was taking at the Avila Institute, which I now work for. At the time, I was just a student there. And there was this beautiful class um, on the Holy Spirit and the divine indwelling and just this idea that the Lord comes to dwell with us by virtue of our baptism. There's none of us that were not created to literally be a temple you mm-hmm. know, of the Holy Spirit within. So one of the required readings for the class was this writing from this saint I'd never heard of, Elizabeth something, um, you know, and I was reading a retreat that she had written mm-hmm. uh, from the convent to her sister who was a married woman at home with young children. So this Carmelite nun was writing to her married sister And as I was reading her reflections, I just thought to myself, I literally remember where I was standing in the backyard. I was pushing the kids on the swing and like reading. This is how we do homework, right? When we're moms, we're like reading with one hand and pushing the kid with the other. And I remember putting the book down and saying, you know what? This is the key. This is the, the kind of bridge between that deep prayer life that I know I'm called to, but I'm struggling to figure out how that fits into my life. Mm-hmm. This is the key to that deep interior life that is so attractive to me, that spirituality that the Carmelites have. It's right. really dedicated to prayer and my life, which doesn't look anything like a nun <laughs> in a convent. In fact, yeah. quite the opposite. And, um, but she so beautifully kind of bridges that. And it's because she wrote primarily to laity. And so she has this gift. And I really believe it was a prophetic gift for kind of distilling the depth and richness of our theology of prayer mm-hmm. to the average Catholic. And especially, I will say, to the woman at home. Yeah, such a, that was that really came across to me in your book. I loved how you kind of seamlessly wove stories from your own life with um, words from Saint Elizabeth and what that meaning had for you in your real life today. Because that often is for me the source of discouragement when we feel that disconnect between what I think it should look like and what my actual life does look like, you know, and, you know, by the time this, this podcast publishes, we'll be in the season of Lent. People might be experiencing the Lent they had planned, but they might be experiencing something different. Um, How did your coming to know St. Elizabeth of the Trinity and her words, especially addressed to the laity, help to kind of firm you up in what your expectations should be for yourself because there's that balance right between expecting too much of yourself and then just throwing it all out the window. Yeah, then it is a balance and I think one of the things one way that we can get tripped up is to look at the saints and say that's so unattainable, that's so not my life. Um, I can't relate to that mm-hmm. and um, or to get discouraged because we try to be something that we're not. 
Mm-hmm. And when we one of the gifts I think of the church in giving us this wide variety of this communion of saints is to say, look at they all found sanctity right where they were. There wasn't a saint that was a carbon copy of the of, of anybody else. Mm-hmm. Every saint has their own story and their own message, and they bloomed where they were planted. And so to be able to look at them, even a little Carmelite nun, you know, in France at the turn of the century had something to tell me. And the message was to be who you are, mm-hmm. to be that mom at home, to be in the carpool lane, you know, to be in the grocery store and to be holy right then and right there. And that is, it's just amazing that, but, um, you know, it was through this particular saint to give me that message. We have a lot of married saints that are beautiful wives and mothers, and yet the church gave me her to really hit, bring that home. And so I hope in the book, that's something that everybody can take away. For sure. I did. I really loved that connection between the practical aspects of my life and some of this spiritual encouragement, this inspiration that comes from this great saint. But I also love the stories that you shared from your own life. Maybe there's one story maybe that you want to share with us. What did you particularly like sharing about inside of the book? Oh, yeah. Hmm, Pick one, huh? (laughs) Um, You know what? I will share this story. So, and I'll have to give you a little background. Um, St. Elizabeth at the turn of the century in France, you know, it wasn't common that you would receive communion every day. Mm -hmm. It was just maybe twice, three times a week. I don't know why. It was just the practice. It was just Mm -hmm. a different kind of um, understanding of the Eucharist. But she longed to receive our Lord and she desired to. And whenever, sometimes they would get permission, you know, when there would be a no the days before the Feast of Corpus Christi or a novena to St. Teresa of Avila, and they could get special permission to receive more frequently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I identify with that longing she felt to receive our Lord more because especially, um, you know, not so much now, but when my kids were all little, like getting to daily mass was hard. Going to adoration felt like a, you know, like this feat, like I had to get every, all my ducks in a row just to sneak right. out for a few minutes. You know how it yeah. is, makes it all that more special when we can get there. Mm-hmm. But I remember distinctly one day, uh, again, it was years ago, I wanted to go to adoration so badly. And I, my husband had like, we were going to work it out. We were going to get everything done so I could get away. And that day, it just didn't happen. Mm. Like, you know, nothing really was working out. And I just had to be obedient to the moment. Like I was just called to be at home. But that night I was in the kitchen cleaning and I just had interiorly, I just heard the Lord say, you couldn't come to me. So I've come to you. And like mm-hmm. literally, Danielle, he was there with me in the kitchen. And I just was, I was literally at the time on my hands and knees picking up Cheerios. <laughs> so I was like kneeling there in the kitchen, you know, in the dark, but he was there. It was unmistakable. So and St. Elizabeth said something when she was reflecting. Um, I believe it was in a letter to her sister. She was reflecting on the reality that we do, you know, need to go to mass and adoration and meet the Lord whenever we can, but that he's not confined by the sacraments to come to us. Mm. And she said, you know, Lord, you have no need of the sacrament to come to me. And that's not to, you know, distill by any means the significance and the weight and the holiness of the Eucharist and the necessity of, of receiving him. But to just say not to be discouraged in your daily life if you can't spend as much time in prayer with him um, as possible, that he that's he's not limited by that. In fact, it's in your circumstances where he's actually going to exactly be there. 
you know, mm-hmm. in your daily life, that's where he's going to show up. If you were to go to a cave on Mount Carmel, <laughs> if you were to go to the convent and you're a married woman, he's not going to be there. That's right. not where he's going <clears> to <throat> meet you. He's going to meet you in your kitchen. He's going to meet you, you know, and the child sitting on your lap. So I think that's so important for us to remember because so many of us who are married, who have little kids, especially during those years when I had all these little kids at home, I remember just truly struggling to find time for prayer. And, you know, at the start of this Lent, um, I challenged the girlfriends here to think about how much time you set aside for prayer, because even if you're busy, that's not an excuse to not have deliberate time that's set aside for prayer. I don't care if we're talking about five minutes in your day. Um, but we really, we can make that plan, even if it's going to get interrupted and disrupted a thousand times. But maybe you could share just a little bit of what did that look like for you when you were a younger mom? And how has that evolved? Um, you've got older kids now. You shared before we came on, you've got a, a child who's getting married. So you're at a different stage of life. How has that changed for you? What words might you offer to, to moms at different stages of motherhood um, that might encourage them in making that time for prayer. Yeah. And I'm by no means, am I like an expert at it, but I will tell you what made all the difference in the world because I, I will say, I don't think there was ever a season in my life where I wasn't praying. Um, sometimes I was more consistent than others. I certainly would pray throughout the day, like spontaneously often. Sure. I, I made time for prayer when I could, but until I really said, the first fruits of my day, I'm going to get up, even if it's 15 or 20 minutes, I'm going to do the daily readings is what I often do. Mm-hmm. And that's just consecrated time. Like that is for you, Lord. Come, you know, rain or shine, whether I feel like it or not, whether you're speaking to me or not, whether it's a dry season or, you know, very lush and beautiful it's for you. And I feel like that was the game changer. And the church really does encourage us like sacred time, sacred space. Mm -hmm. You meet the Lord, you show up and he will come in ways that you cannot even begin to imagine. And then it, it bears fruit into the rest of your day. So yes, Yes. there's never a, we're always having ongoing conversation with God, but if we don't have that, like foundational moment where it's just the two of us, Mm -hmm. that won't be as fruitful. Yeah. So I would say, um, and, and for some women that might be at night, you know, mm-hmm. maybe your first fruits are actually the first fruits you have alone. And that might be before you go to bed. <laughs> it might be 9 p.m. <laughs> it might be. Um, so it's going to be individual for everybody. But mm-hmm. just to say, to set that time aside and set and like literally put it in your planner, you know, prayer time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I could completely, completely agree with that. It's been my own experience as well, because I've been through whole seasons of parenthood where I wasn't being deliberate about that, especially not first thing in the morning. And I can so relate to that feeling of like chasing that moment through the day, you know, like, oh, am I going to fit it in here? Yep. No. Nope. Is this now? Is, is this going to happen now? now? Nope. Can nope. I do it? Oh, never mind. <laughs> and how frustrating that is and how mm-hmm. discouraging it is to like reach the end of your day and be like, I never made it happen. And sometimes it was my own fault. Like I just wasn't prioritizing it as I should be. But I find that making it first thing in the morning is it, it's so helpful in, in making it that actual priority. You know, I had a kind of, um, let's call it a come to Jesus moment, like a few years back where I realized, you know, working out is important to me. And I talk with the girlfriends about this all the time, that this is an important thing to be taking care of your fitness. And for years, that was what I would do first thing in the morning because same thing, couldn't find the time to fit it in elsewhere or other things would take place of it. But I just had this moment where I was like, 
why is that more important than my prayer life? Like, why am I prioritizing that? And this is not to judge anybody who's working out first thing in the morning. Like everybody has to figure out what works for them. But for me, it was just like a moment where I really needed to say, you know what, if I'm going to say this is more important than working out, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to work out, but then I should be doing it first. Like it should come first. And yeah, some days it isn't perfect and it doesn't, you know, some days are more challenging than others to find and make that time as you shared. But I I find that there's a lot of good fruit that comes from just doing that first thing. And I bet that the rest of your life kind of falls in place better because you do put that first, you know, you'll find time for the other things. In fact, I think the Lord helps you find time. Right. I I think it was St. Jose Maria Escriva. He called it like the multiplication of the moments. (laughs) Like God can bless, he can, he can multiply loaves and fish. He can multiply time. And he does like, he's so faithful. Yes. You know, I look, my kids are all alive. You know, <laughs> we, we've made it thus far even right. with those 15 minutes. So it's possible. Right? No, that's so great. I think that's very encouraging because you can just start with what you have. If all you have is five minutes before the kids get up and you're exhausted because you were up multiple times through the night. I get it. But like, start with that. Start with what you have. God is so faithful. He's going to do good things with that. So that's really encouraging. So speaking of making time, whenever I get an author on here, I love to just say, okay, tell me how you wrote a book. Like, because this is probably the number one question people ask me is how on earth do you find the time to do a project like that? Um, There are women who are aspiring writers, but then also women who aspire to do other kinds of work projects who just feel like, Where's the time for it? So you have your work with the Institute and how did you, how did you manage the the writing of a book on top of that? You know, it's a good question. I'm not even sure (laughs) because the majority of this book, as we're recording, like we are literally still in the middle of COVID. Mm -hmm. I had my kids, I'm putting this, I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers right now, homeschooling. (laughs) Sorry, all you homeschooling moms are thinking you are not homeschooling, but we were at home schooling. Sure. Um, and I had zero time alone. I think when I when I first thought about writing a book, because I've always loved writing, I love the idea of writing, mm-hmm. and I always pictured myself like in a mountain cabin, you know? Yeah. Holy Spirit. The writer's like, retreat. More, yes, exactly. And there are people that get to do that, and that would be amazing. But the reality was I it was more chaotic than I ever dreamed because, you know, I had kids bouncing on the bed next to me. And, right. Um, I would say, I think it was just an act of sheer obedience. At the point that I started writing, I knew that God was calling me. And I think what it is, is a testimony to anybody that feels a call on their life, whether it's writing or like you said, any kind of endeavor that God has given them a desire for, and it's really a true call from him, Mm -hmm. then he's going to give you the means to do it. So you step out in faith you know, you discern, but then you step out in faith, you do the next right thing, whether that's submitting a proposal or, you know, seeking advice or starting that chapter. And then you see what happens. And if it's flowing and if God's opening the doors, you do the next right thing and the next right thing. And you just keep doing that next right thing until you're completed. And then you look back and you say, you showed up, God, like, <laughs> you just be, you, all you have to do is be obedient to his promptings. And miraculously, like we said, he'll multiply time, he'll multiply energy and he'll give you what you need because he doesn't ever call you to something and then not give you the means to do it. Right. And that's the message I would say for any woman who's feeling like overwhelmed, it might not be the season for that. Right. You know, there is a season for everything. And I did not write a book when I had six kids at home and they were all little. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I think you did though, didn't you? I did. (laughs) (laughs) So, but see, that was your call. Like my call, that that wasn't my call. Um, And I'm completing a graduate program right now. I'm like in the final class. And again, it's just like, I don't know how I did it, except that I knew God was calling me. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a really important thing because, you know, I hear from young moms sometimes who are frustrated in whatever endeavor they feel called to. And they're like, I feel this drive. I feel this call. And I have, you know, the kids, you know, how am I supposed to manage this? And I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you said there, that it may not be the time. That doesn't mean you're not called to do it. And what you're feeling is real. And, um, but God might be saying, calling you to this, but not right this moment. Like right yeah. now you're focusing on these other things and that's a very good thing. In fact, it's probably more likely than not the season of preparation for what he's calling you to do. So you're mm-hmm. gaining wisdom and, and uh, you know, growing in sanctity and developing as a, as a woman so that he can use you for what he's, you know, calling you to. And in the moment, he's calling you to that moment. You know, that's <laughs> not like we're waiting for our vocation. It's unfolding in time. No, exactly. Yeah. And Elizabeth, I will say this and tie it to, to our saint today too. She knew she was called to the convent. She wanted to become a Carmelite from the time she was like 14 years old. She discerned the call. When she was 16, she told her mother and asked her for permission to enter the convent. And her mother said no and wouldn't give her permission until she was 18. And even at that time said, you have to wait till you're 21. Wow. So So she she had in her own vocation. She was. And she was really frustrated for a while in her diaries show. She was like, Lord, why are you doing this to me? And she's just (laughs) languishing away. And, you know, Um, but as we see her mature in spiritually through those years, what was happening was she was not only learning to let go of her will for God's will, which is this necessary, you know, step in spiritual maturity, but she was learning the lessons that she would teach from the convent because she had to learn to be holy in the world. And so when she got, you know, the wisdom that she shared from the convent wasn't just from living the cloister life. It was from living the cloister life before she entered. Wow. And so God had allowed that time precisely because he knew that she would be this prophetic voice of prayer for the church for today. In fact, I think that's why she's kind of been under the covers for a while, Mm -hmm. even though she was, you know, you know, she died in um, 1906. So we're talking about, you know, almost a hundred years from that time to canonization. And so, um, or over a hundred years and the Lord like kind of kept her for this. Yeah, so time that was going to be my next women. question for you. Like, why this saint? Why now? Why? Why do you think she has a particular message for the world today? Yeah, I think it's because you know it was really Vatican II that emphasized this idea of this universal vocation to holiness. I mean, it's been around in the church. Like, mm-hmm. there's never not been a time when the church didn't believe that everybody was called to holiness, but wasn't really talked about, especially right. in the time of like Saint Therese or Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. Um, there was this just understanding that if you really wanted to be holy, you became a nun or a priest. And then everybody else, you know, you did the best you could. And maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but <for> she, <laughs> yes. But she said, you know, when she was waiting to enter the convent, she's like, well, I'll just have to become holy in the world. And then when she got there, she wrote letters. Like I said, she corresponded with 40 lay people and she only lived for five years in the convent. She died when she was very young 
But, um, and, and part of the reason we have so many writings is because they gave her permission to write very prolifically because she, they knew she didn't have much time left. Wow. So one of the gifts to the church was that her superiors relaxed the rules and said, you can write, you know, multiple letters a day. Whereas before, I think it was like once a week. Oh, okay. So we have this like volume of letters that she wrote and she corresponded with like her friends, her mother, her sister. Um, and she kind of distilled down for them this idea that the Lord dwells with in you like a temple, all you have to do is kind of retreat into yourself and find him there and develop this rich prayer life. Um, and then you can know what I know, you know, here yeah. in the convent. That's anyway. Beautiful. So, so Vatican II really brought that to light, but I think it's now that the church is really embracing that. I mean, look at all these lay apostolates raise, rising up. Look at how many, um, Catholic leaders we have that are coming from the lady that are calling us out of ourselves and saying, there is so much more for you. And so mm -hmm. I think she's kind of that prophetic voice that says, yes, there's a universal call to holiness. There's a personal vocation to holiness. The Lord has called you to something in particular. It's your path. Let me tell you, you know how to find it. Because when we get closer to God, we also discover who we are, who he's yeah. created us to be. And we can embrace that and live it. And it's just this exciting adventure that she's inviting us into. That's so beautiful. I love that. So what do you hope that readers will most take away from this book? What is, what is your great hope for readers of this book? I think if there was one thing I would say, just to plant the seed that there's more for you that your journey toward God and with God is a never ending journey of union. Um, there's a word that we use a lot in the church today and it's good and it's right that we do. So it's discipleship, right? Like mm -hmm. we, we say yes to Jesus Christ. We want to follow him with our whole heart and our life and um, bring others to him. But there is so much more than that. Like discipleship is the beginning of a lifelong journey. The end of our spiritual life is union with God. And what Elizabeth would say is that union is not something that you just wait for in heaven. Like someday I'm going to know union with God, but it begins on this earth in this life. It only reaches its fulfillment in heaven. So yes, we follow Christ we obey, you know, the mandates of the church. We, you know, we pray, mm -hmm. we go to mass, but what we're really designed for is to be united with him and know him with intimacy um, as a friend and even beyond. And she, I just want women and anyone that reads the book to know that that's what you were created for. Yeah. That's, that's all they need to know, right? <laughs> that's it's all that simple, need. right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's all right here in this book. So um, where can people go to find out more about you, about your work? Where can they go to purchase a copy of this present paradise? Thank you. I would love for people to go to eventhesparrow.com. That's my personal blog and website. And that's where I love to keep in touch with everybody. The links for the book are also on eventhesparrow.com. Or you can go to, I have to say this, Amazon, because Sophia Institute is sold out through this month. Wow. Um, yeah, they're that's on a back good order. Though. It's a good sign. I don't know when this will <laughs> air, but through February 2021, they're on back order. So go to Amazon and look for this present paradise. Or if you're listening to this later, you can go to sophiainstitute.com forward slash this present paradise, and hopefully they'll have some back 
in oh, stock yes. then. We'll hope for that. Do you have any plans for putting together a women's group or discussion of any kind around the themes in the book? That was what really occurred to me as I was going through um, reading this book was like, oh, these are things women need to be talking about. So do you have like a book club or any any plans for that? Well, funny, you should ask. Um, Abiding Together podcast is using the book for their Lenten study. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, part of, probably part of the reason it's sold out because those women have a big reach. <laughs> yes, they um, do. That's fantastic. <laughs> we love them here. Yeah, so if you go to abidingtogetherpodcast.com, they have all the details and the schedule for the Lenten study. So, so grab great. your book and then um, listen in with them and they're going to have like, discuss. there's questions in the book, but they're also going to publish discussion questions. They have a Facebook group where you, know, you can then have conversations with other women. And um, yeah, it should be great. I love it. So folks, we'll have the links in the show notes for that at ascensionpress.com. So you can get all the information you need about the book club and other ways to connect with this present paradise. But regardless if, if you join that conversation or not, this is a book that you need to read, especially during the Lenten season. Really beautiful book that's going to encourage and inspire you in your personal call to holiness. Claire Dwyer, thank you so much for coming on Girlfriends and sharing this book with us. The time has just flown by, Danielle. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. (laughs) It's been fun chatting with you. So coming up, we've got some listener feedback for you. But first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Nestled under the warm Florida sun is a university whose name indicates a vocational call. Ave Maria, Latin for Hail Mary, recalls the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary of her future vocation, becoming the mother of God. Enriched by God's grace, Mary freely ascends to this call. This is the model for all students. Come to Ave Maria University, where we offer a liberal arts curriculum buoyed by the sacraments. This empowers you to clearly see your vocational call, whatever that might be. Ave Maria University, your vocation location. Visit AveMaria.edu or call 1-833-AMUSWFL. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share listener feedback or a question from a listener. And this week I heard from Therese. Therese said, first, I love your podcast. I have long commute and listening to your show gets my day on the right track. Second, I recently listened to a few of your shows where miscarriage was either the topic or in the listener feedback. My husband and I have gone through three consecutive miscarriages and are now pregnant with our fourth child after just losing our third Elijah on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Through each miscarriage, the Lord has revealed so much to me about the truth and surprising beauty of a failed pregnancy. Since our last miscarriage, I keep feeling this nudge to share my pain, sorrow, joy, and love regarding miscarriage with other women and men. The thought of writing a book pops up in my mind a lot, but I have no idea where to start. Do you have any tips or resources you could share for beginning writers, Therese? Well, Therese, first of all, I'm so sorry for the pain and the loss that you've suffered through those miscarriages. That is such a hard thing that you have gone through. And to have that be your first experience of pregnancy is especially difficult. So know that I'm so sorry for you and I will be praying for you. And I want to invite everyone listening to please pray for Therese, but also pray for all the listeners of the Girlfriends Podcast, all the members of this community of Girlfriends that have suffered miscarriage or are currently suffering the pain of miscarriage or suffering anxiety surrounding miscarriage. Let's let's pray for each other in that way because that is a common experience and and one in which we need to be supporting and encouraging each other, especially praying for one another. So, Therese, thank you for sharing with us and um, we're going to be praying for you. 
So then the next thing about starting writing, what I would say to someone like you who's in this situation and you just feel this encouragement to do it, is just do it. Just start writing it. You don't have to have a big plan in place. It sounds like it would be therapeutic for you right now anyway to do some intensive journaling, just writing what you feel inspired to write. It doesn't have to look a certain way. Don't even think about whether or not it's going to help anybody or get published in a certain way. Just start writing what you feel inspired to write. And a way that you can do that is by committing a certain amount of time each day that you're going to do it, even if it's just 10 minutes, maybe in the morning before you start that commute to work. Um, You know, finding the space that you have and then just committing to doing it can bear a lot of great fruit. So I think at the stage where you are right now, where you feel just compelled to share this, inspired to share this, just start writing it and and worry about that other stuff, like wh- how you'll share it and who it will be shared with and where it might be published and all that. Worry about that later. Just start the process of writing. I think it's just really important to start. Um, you know, I recently shared on Instagram a photo of a piece of paper that I found. Dan's renovating our bedroom right now, and it's caused us to go through some spaces that I haven't seen in a long time, like the back of the bedroom closet that had just boxes of stuff. And one of the things I found in there was this scrap of paper, which didn't look like much at first, but oh, it really touched my heart when I looked at it because on the one side of this piece of paper was um, a child's handwriting practice. So, like, um, you know, just writing out words. And it happened to be spring has sprung that this child had been practicing their handwriting with. Um, You know, we've homeschooled for years. It was a very familiar site, that kind of handwriting practice page. And then on the other side, though, were all just this mess of little bits of notes in my handwriting. And when I looked at it, I know I realized that it was notes for an essay that I was I was planning to write. And it reminded me of this practice that I used to have. And I forgot that I used to work this way. Back when all the kids were little and we were homeschooling and there were babies and toddlers and it was just mayhem. Um, I would keep a piece of paper on the kitchen counter and just anytime something occurred to me, like I generally would have an idea of a, a piece of writing that I wanted to work on that I wanted to to produce. And I would keep that scrap of paper there. And anytime something occurred to me as I was doing the busy mom stuff, the homeschooling stuff, the housework, the making meals and cleaning up afterwards and all of that, I would just jot down a little a little note of, you know, either a way I wanted to write something or an, an example I wanted to include or what I wanted to say. And I would just keep that scrap of paper there throughout the day. And in the evenings, this was when I had time to write after the kids had gone to bed, I would take those scraps and just keep my notes with me. And I would just focus on writing and writing and writing when I was able to do it. And I kind of had the habit of doing that back then. And it was a discipline that really served me well in producing, you know, writing in a time where it was hard to find the time and the space to do it. But I can look at that now and say, you know what, God took those little bits that I was able to you know, produce. I only had a few minutes to just write it down and he made something of it because then I could look at that piece of paper that I found in the back of my bedroom closet and see on it that those notes, I remembered the exact essay that they went into being and what 
column that ended up becoming, and it was published in the National Catholic Register. And then I remember the book that that column ended up getting included in. Like, it became part of something much larger than I was even imagining, but I was just being faithful to writing down those little bits. And so, you know, I want to encourage you, Therese, in whatever way you're able to, write down those bits, write down those pieces, start where you are and just begin and and give it to God, give it over to God and pray about the ways in which he might have you use that gift of writing in the future. But don't feel like you have to have the whole plan in place before you begin. That would be paralyzing. Don't do that. Just start. You don't have to have a plan in place. You don't have to know where it's going yet. Just be faithful about making that time to do it. All right, I hope that's helpful to you, Therese, and know that we are going to be praying for you, praying for a healthy pregnancy, praying for you, your husband, and your family. Thank you so much for writing in. If you have a question like Therese, or if you have a topic you'd like me to take up here on the Girlfriends Podcast, I would love to hear it from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com, or connect with me. As I said, I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Would love to connect with you in those places as well. All right, that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. Your presence here truly is a gift to me. It's so encouraging to me to know that you show up, that you put in the earbuds or that you hit play while you're driving in the car or while you're folding laundry or going for a run. So glad that you've brought me along for that. I'm so grateful for that. And it's a privilege to be in that space in your life. So thank you for allowing me that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 